Testament passage today picks up in Joshua chapter 22. At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now remember, this is a very special group of people. If this is the Jordan River, and this is Jericho, and up here on the mountaintop is Jerusalem, these tribes, when they defeated Og, King of Bashan, and some of the others, they chose to live on this side, on the this side of the Jordan River, not over on this side. And Moses gave them permission, but he said, you're going to have to come with us and help us defeat all of our enemies. So for how many years had they lived apart from their families, men of war fighting so that all of the tribes of Israel could have their land? So he summons these three groups. And he said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice and all I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days, down to this day, but you have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. Now the Lord your God has given you given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lays, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you on the other side of the Jordan. So I want you to notice, there comes a time, vows are fulfilled. And people need to be told that. You, you've done what you committed. They're always... See, people need to understand there's a finishing point, okay? Everybody needs to understand there comes a point when my vow is fulfilled. Only be very careful to observe the command and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and to cling to him to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, there is, there is a great summary. A great summary of the law. You know, when they, they came to Jesus and said, which is the greatest commandment? Okay, this is the type of thing that they did. They, they sat down and they looked through and gave summaries. Well, this is Joshua's summary. He said, love the Lord your God. Beautiful. Walk in all his ways. Keep his commandments. Cling to him. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. There's great, a five great summary, five great truths of summary. And you just, you can just meditate on that. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. Now to the one half tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan. To the other half-tribe, Joshua had given a possession beside their brothers in the land west of Jordan. And when Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, iron, and with much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. Okay, hey, don't, don't keep this, okay? You know, they took care. They guarded the families. They took care of the, of the kids. Now, share. Always divide. Divide the spoil. When you've had great victory and others were doing other things that allowed you to have that victory, don't forget to share, okay? Share the spoil with those who helped in the victory. Verse 9. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh. 
Okay, this is where the land was divided at Shiloh. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was at this time, which is in the land of Canaan to go to the land of Gilead, to their own land of which they had possessed themselves by the command of the Lord through Moses. And when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. Now notice, they built an altar. And the people of Israel heard it and said, Behold, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when all the people of Israel heard it, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. They saw idolatry is happening. Then the people of Israel sent to the people of Reuben and the people of Gab and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and with him ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them the head of a family among the clans of Israel. And they came to the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, and said to them, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this breach of faith you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Have we not had enough sin at Peor, from which even yet we have not cleansed ourselves? and for which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord, that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord? If you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. But now, if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take for yourselves a possession among us only. Do not rebel against the Lord or make us rebels by building for yourselves an altar on the other side of the altar of the Lord our God. Now notice the total sincerity here. Notice the total sincerity of the people of Israel. They said, listen, if your land is unclean, we will give you land among us. He said, please. We will sacrifice to make this right. We just want what's right with God. He said, so please, we've all gotten our land, but you know, if, if that land is unclean, we will sacrifice of what we have received from the Lord so that you will serve the Lord. Did not Achan the son of Zerah break faith in the matter of the devoted things and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? And did he not perish alone? for his iniquity. Then the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said in answer to the heads of the founders of Israel, the mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows and let Israel itself know. If it was in rebellion or a breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from following the Lord. Or if we did so to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or peace offerings upon it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. No, we did this from fear that in time your children might say to our children, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan the boundary between us and you. You people of Reuben and Gad, you have no portion in the Lord. So your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Therefore we said, let us now build an altar, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice but to be a witness between us. All right, so the purpose 
was not rebellion. The purpose was for the future, to be a witness between us and you and between our generations and your generations after us, that we do perform the service of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and peace offerings. So your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have no portion with the Lord. And we thought, if this should be said to us or to our descendants in time to come, we should say, behold, a copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar for burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice, other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. When Panias the priest and the chiefs of the congregation and the heads of the families of Israel who were with him heard the words of the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh spoke, it was good in their eyes. And Panias, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst, because you have not committed this breach of faith. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Then Panias, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the chiefs, returned from the people of Reuben and the people of Gad in the land of Gilead to Canaan to the people of Israel and brought back word to them. And the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel blessed God and spoke no more of making war against them to destroy the land where the people of Reuben and the people of Gad were settled. The people of Reuben and the people of Gad called the altar Witness. That was the name of the altar, Witness. For they said, it is a witness between us, between us, that the Lord is God. Now, I want you to understand here. First of all, you see people who are incredibly, we are Israel, okay? And you've got a group of them that God has given land on the other side of the Jordan. And they don't ever want there to come a day in which they're cut off from the true altar of God. So they build an altar as a witness, a replica, a complete replica of the altar, so that everyone will understand this is a witness between us that we share in the true altar of God. But I, I think the, the, the biggest thing to see here is people misinterpreted their actions because they didn't talk about it first. None of these emotions would have been stirred up if they'd said, hey, we're going to do this and can we do it together? It would have been better if they did it together. But because they did it on their own without talking to the other tribes, it got misinterpreted and you almost had a war. But credit to the other tribes, they came and asked questions before they started to fight. And credit to the two and a half tribes that rather than get all upset and angry, well, you know, they explained. And there was peace. There was peace because people were willing to ask questions and peace because people were willing to answer questions. Some beautiful, beautiful truth here on maintaining good, peaceful relationships between people. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. First Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, there are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Say it. Amen, 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 amen. It is so. It is so. Amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. 
says yes and amen everything you said to me yes and amen it is so it is so New Testament passage today picks up in Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Now, I want you to understand this is after the Last Supper. If uh, this is the Kidron Valley and comes up and around, and this is the road down to the Dead Sea, as these two valleys meet here, this would have been right about in here where Jesus had the Last Supper. So he would have come down into the Kidron Valley, and then he's about to head up the Mount of Olives. And right here at the bottom of the road is the Garden of Gethsemane. And notice it was his custom. This was a favorite place of his. It's a nice place to stop and rest before you start up this steep hill and head about three kilometers out to Bethany. So this is a nice place to rest and pray after a hard day's work before you begin the long walk home. And this was his custom. You've often heard me say that Judas used his intimate knowledge to destroy Jesus. He, he twisted what he knew. This was, a, this was a favorite place of Jesus. And he took what was precious to Jesus and twisted it into a place of betrayal. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. So Jesus knew the next events. He knew, you know what? Tonight's not going to be an easy night, guys. Sometimes before seasons of challenge, you need to pray. Pray that you will not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. So that's a pretty good distance. He could have some privacy and pour out his heart. And he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. All right, now I want you to notice, Jesus knew the Father could change all of this. Okay? What God can do and what God is, what's God will is two different things. God's will and God's ability are two different things. Yes, God could have made a whole new way, but this was his will for the plan of salvation. Now, that's the truth that you and I just need to get a hold of sometimes. We we need to understand that sometimes God asks us to walk through difficult days. And forgive me, we know 
that he can make all this go away. I mean, we know he has the power and the ability to make it all go away and make it all sunshine and wonderful and flowers and beautiful. But sometimes we have to come like Jesus and say, Lord, I know what you're capable of, but I also know your will. And Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Wow. Strengthening him. An angel came from the Father. Now, now this is something you've got to get a hold of. When you're walking into difficult days and you're committing yourself, you're praying a prayer of committal. This is a prayer. This is a prayer of committal. You're often going to find supernatural involvement where God does something to put strength in you. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, that's incredible tension that even the, the capillaries and the surface of his skin began to break and mix with his sweat. When he arose from prayer, he came to his disciples, and he found them sleeping for sorrow. Now, why? Why were they sleeping for sorrow? All right. All they heard in the upper room, talking about leaving them, the problem with Judas. I mean, there's a lot of sorrow. And even seeing Jesus weep, seeing Jesus weep so, so strongly. Yeah, they, they were asleep for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Number one, get up. And number two, pray. People say, How do I stay out of temptation, Pastor? Rise and pray. <laughs> While he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And a man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. You know, betrayers out front. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? I mean, Judas. Okay, I know you're going to betray me. But grave with a kiss? Really? <laughs> and when those who were around him saw what was, would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, notice. Acted before the answer. And, and this is this is Peter, alright? I mean, this is this is Peter, okay? He acted before the answer. He's He's the impetuous one. And Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him. Now notice, the chief priests are there. The high priestly family are there. Have you come out against, as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour 
and the power of darkness. We've been preaching about this first for a long time lately. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, this is at Caiaphas's house now, and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. And he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You're also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Because he had a different accent, it was very obvious to see. And Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, brothers and sisters, that to me, that's a hard one. Jesus is on the rooftop being investigated, being questioned, being slapped, being beaten. When the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked down into the courtyard. And he looked right at Peter. And Peter looked right back at him. No words were spoken. But Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out. And he wept bitterly. Now, Peter went from fighting with a sword, willing to die for Jesus that night, to denying him before a little servant girl. He didn't betray him. He denied him. Can you imagine for just a moment what Peter's heart felt like when their eyes met? I've stood in that courtyard under what is now a Catholic church, but it's still the courtyard where it took place. And looked up and thought, what did it feel like for their eyes to meet and Peter to remember? No wonder it was so important later. Tell Peter also I'll meet him in Galilee. Make sure you talk to Peter. No wonder Peter had a revelation of Jesus. No, I mean, please, there's so much beautiful truth here. I can't even be, otherwise I get into a sermon this morning. But I want you to notice that even when we deny him and our hearts are broken because we know how badly we've denied him, Jesus never stops loving you. Now, some of you this morning, you're like Peter. You've denied him. But you need to understand, just like Peter, you're weeping bitterly because he's made his presence known to you. But you need to understand, even when we're faithless, he's faithful. He still loves you. And he's reaching out for you this morning. Amen. All right. A little bit more today from Proverbs as we finish up. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. <laughs> now, there's some fun stuff here today. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and right. All right, so people are known 
by their actions. Known by his acts, whether his conduct is pure and right. People are going to judge you by what you do. Verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. New Living Translation, ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. Now, th- this, is, this is a constant prayer of mine. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see. These are gifts from the Lord. Ears to hear the truth of the word of God. Eyes to see and understand the word of God. See, it's not enough to read books about the Bible. I mean, uh, you know, and, and please forgive me, I don't want to be rude, but sometimes some of you are in seminary right now and you need to get out of seminary and get on, the, on your knees, all right? Please forgive me. Now, please, you look in my office, you see I'm a student. I'm far beyond being an anti-intellectual. But at the same time, you have to understand the Word of God is not something that you just sit around and debate and talk about. You need ears to hear and eyes to see if you're going to learn truth. Now, he changes gears very quickly. Love not sleep lest you come to poverty. All right, so a source of poverty equals a love of sleep. Are you one of those people who just loves to sleep? As Proverbs says, turn on your your, your bed like a door on its hinges. You just roll back and get comfortable, and then you roll on the other side and get comfortable. I've always kind of lived by the rule, when you wake up, get up. You know, when you wake up, okay, your body's had enough sleep, get up. Now, that might be 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, you work for a little while, you read your Bible, you pray. And then if you're sleepy, lay down and take another nap. I sometimes call it topping topping off the sleep. (laughs) Brother John likes it when I say things like that. Just sometimes you just need to top it off a little bit. Like you you top off a glass with water. You add just a little bit more to finish filling it up. Sometimes after you read and pray for a while in the middle of the night, then you go back to bed and take a little nap and then get up and you're refreshed. But some people just love to sleep. And when you love to sleep, that's where poverty comes from. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Open your eyes. Stay awake, okay? And you'll have plenty of bread. Bad, bad, says the buyer. And when he goes away, then he boasts. This is truth in negotiations. Now, in some senses, I'm not a good negotiator. At least the world would say I'm not. Because I look at a lot of negotiation as lying. You know, people say, what is it that you want? Well, say what you want. And then they try to bring you down from there. And I said, no, you asked me what I wanted. Now, this is what I want. That's not a negotiating position. I'm not telling you this and then making tawad. You know, at some point, you've got to learn, even in your negotiations, we don't lie. There is gold and abundance of costly stones. But the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. New Living Translation. Wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. You know, people who have knowledge, you need to understand that's that's valuable. 
people who who have knowledge and who will speak and who will teach you. They are giving you something far more precious than somebody who just drops a diamond in your hand. Well, I'd rather have the diamond, Pastor. No, 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 no. The diamond is a finite, a finite uh, container of wealth. It, it can contain wealth, but it's finite. But with knowledge, you can learn one truth and feed your family for the rest of your life. Learn to value knowledge. All right, we're going to close out today. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. We're getting back into the Book of Romans. We're going to have some fun with, well, I won't tell you what we're going to get into, but we're going to have some fun in the Book of Romans with the continuation of Paul's Proverbs. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.